the scripture that we are speaking of today is in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're reading through ver- 2 through verse 6. These are the things I want you to teach and to preach. If you have leaders there who teach otherwise, you refuse the solid words of our master Jesus and this godly instruction, tag them for what they are, ignorant windbags who infect the air, I like this, <laughs> ignorant windbags who infect the air with germs of envy, controversy, bad-mouthing, suspicious rumors. You ever, you ever think of that? Windbags, infectious windbags, who infect the air with their words, you know? We think of a cold as, you know, the things, contamination and sneezing and all that stuff. You know, I, I, was, I was one place, and a person was, and I know they, they're, they're a nice person, whatever, and he sneezed, you know, got out his handkerchief, wiped my hand on his nose, then he didn't want to shake my hand. <laughs> it's like, okay, I shook it. Then I ran to the bathroom and washed it. <laughs> you know, because we have, you know, infectious things, infectious germs. So we want to, we watch out for those things, you know, while we're talking about infectious germs. Do you know what the incubator is for um, becoming ill? Is our eyes. Because you shake somebody's hand, <coughs> and then you rub your eyes. <laughs> so... We were talking about bees this morning in uh, Sunday school and uh, how that, uh, the, what are they? The, yeah, but no, the sting, you take the stinger out of a bee, but uh, you take it, if you take the stinger out of a bee, it's just another bug, okay? So when, when we talk about that God has removed the sting of death, it's just another event. So the sting is gone, but we were, um, we were talking about how that, you can be out playing in the flowers, you know, or weeding and things like that with the flowers, and the, and the bumblebees will be around there, and they won't even bother you. I said, well, don't be playing with the flowers and then stick your finger in your ear around the bees, you know. <laughs> They'll be coming home to rest. Okay. All right. But um, so here we are looking at this, and he's telling us about this infectious people that we are to, uh, they create an epidemic of backstabbing, and the truth is but a distant memory. They think religion is a way to make a fast buck. Then verse 6, a devoted life does bring wealth, but it's the rich simplicity of being yourself before God. But godliness with contentment is great gain. That's the King James Version of that. A devoted life does bring wealth, a devoted life. So we're looking at contentment, not containment. Contentment, but not containment. We are content, godliness with contentment. Now, when, I, uh, when you think of godliness, what do you think of? I mean, you know, what comes to your mind, godliness? Uh, sometimes we think of pious you know, wow, they're just a very religious person. Uh, whenever we think of contentment, we sometimes picture a rocking chair <laughs> and just sitting around. Well, neither, neither one of those are what this verse implies. Godliness, we would say, to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. So what is Jesus like? Jesus is going around every day, touching people's lives, healing the blind, uh, causing the lame to walk, 
breaking, you know, and we're, in a minute here we'll talk about how that, uh, in Matthew 14, about how that he fed the 5,000. So being able to, being like Jesus is being able to meet every obstacle of life without being angry, bitter, upset. Contentment. Contentment doesn't mean we're, con- we're in a container where nothing can get to us, but we are content to walk the path of life knowing that I can meet head-on every obstacle I face in life. That's contentment. Contentment is that I, God and I together, can face every difficulty, every test, every problem. I, God and I together, can meet this need, meet that problem, meet this situation. Now, sometimes we think of it in the idea of containers, that we are, if we are content, that means that we are withdrawn, shielded from, uh, being able to be protected from difficulties. No, it doesn't happen. Nowhere in the scripture does it t- give us the, even the hint of, you know, Bible says that he will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon Jehovah. That um, the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God is the peace of God that comes to us in the midst of the storm. That's where we need peace. In the midst of conflict, we know that we are safe. In the midst of difficulties, we know that God is there. When things change, we know that God is there. He is the leader of these things. He takes us through these things. Never does it say that God um, puts us out of, out of commission, sticks us on a back shelf, puts us in a container and seals us. Nowhere is that ever, ever uh, put in place. You know, there is this little frog who's at the bottom of his pond. Excuse me, he's the bottom of a well. And to this little frog, he was really content because, you know, he's doing the backstroke there <laughs> in his little well, you know, no, nobody bothering Man, I've got all the water in the world <laughs> in the bottom of a well. But he's bothered by this light up there, so he crawls up the wall. Of course, it's just fictitious, okay? It's a fictitious story, all right? So he climbs up the walls, gets to the top, and peeks over the well. What does he see? He sees the pond. Whoa, this pond, this is all the water in the world. And he's, you know, doing his thing at the pond, and he wanders off a little further, and he comes upon a lake. Whoa! <laughs> then, of course, he comes upon the ocean and the vastness of it. You see, in our little pond, nope, in our little well, we think of contentment as just me and the little light up there, and I'm doing some backstrokes. <laughs> That this is godliness with contentment. I am saved and going to heaven and I can do the backstroke and I can swim around my pond and I my little pond, my little pool of water in the bottom of a well and everything's fine. But you see, our life, that's not the contentment. That's the containment. And we are not contained. We are not in a container. We are not... In, a, in a, a vacuum where problems are, they don't exist in my little world. Well, if they don't exist in your little world, your world is too little. <laughs> 
Because if we are going to live, we're going to face, we're going to be around people, we're going to have obstacles and difficulties, we're going to see them, hear them, feel them, be affected by them. They're always going to be there. So we have to know that our godliness, godliness, Jesus Christ, godliness is being able to face every obstacle with the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to conquer, head it head on, deal with it, however it comes up. We've spoken many times about in Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, where Jesus, um, you know, um, feeds the 5,000. You know, the, one of the scriptures, there's, there's two, one here in Matthew and another in John to talk about this feeding the 5,000. In both of these, in, the, in, God, in John, we have where Jesus goes away with his disciples to be alone with them, and to be alone, and he and the disciples are alone, and then the people follow him. And then in Matthew's account is where Jesus, after he sends the 5,000 away, uh, bids them go, puts the, the, the disciples, they get in a boat and head over to the other side, Jesus goes up into the mountain to pray. In both of those situations, we have Jesus being alone. Do you ever wonder what he would pray? What is a God prayer? <laughs> Here is Jesus, who is God. What does he pray? What does he ask? When he is alone with the Father, what is he saying? Do you ever wonder that? <laughs> Me, I do. Yeah. What's he ask for? He himself is God. He can create a, you know, he can call 10,000 angels to come, you know, so, you know, he can have the birds fly by and drop off some food. He can do anything he wants. He can just take a five loaves and two fish and five flat pancakes and two sardines, okay, and feed 5,000 people plus women and children. What does God, what does Jesus ask for? I need more power. <laughs> you know, my, <laughs> you know, on Santa Claus, you know, what's that guy? Santa, what's his name? What was uh, the exempt clause? You know, <laughs> where, where he, he has his meter of, of power for doing miracles, you know. He's Santa Claus and he has to get a wife, you know, and he's looking at his meter and he performs his stuff and his, his meter's running row, row. His meter's running row. <laughs> His meter is running low because he's do it using up too much power. Jesus, when he goes to pray to the Father, does he run low on power? i got to recharge my battery. No. He himself is God. What he, I believe, he does in those moments, those periods of time, is relish, be content with the presence of God. Finding that place where there is peace, contentment, where he and God, the Father, are together. See, godliness with contentment, that there is this understanding that nothing is impossible to us, to those who believe. Nothing is impossible, but yet the impossible has to be seen through the eyes of God who is with us. Because the problems don't catch us off guard. 
Jesus, he's out there with 5,000 people, 5,000 men plus women and children, and what does he tell the disciples? Go get them something to eat. Is, doesn't Jesus know what he's going to do? Doesn't he know all things? It's just like the blind man, when the blind says, cries out to Jesus, and Jesus says, what do you want? <laughs> what do you want? They would say, well, I want to be healed. I want to see. And see, in our, in, you see, in our relationship with Jesus in those places of contentment, we are not in a container separating us from the world. We are in a place of peace, in a place of presence. And in this place of presence, I find my greatest relationship and my greatest power because nothing can separate us Nothing can come between us, and everything is possible. So in this place of not being able to separate and knowing that everything, I can do all things, that everything is possible in this relationship, therefore I am content, but I am not contained. I am content knowing that God is capable of moving mountains for me. I am content knowing that God can do the impossible. I am content knowing that no matter what battle I am in, I am more than a conqueror. So in this contentment and in this presence of God, I find strength to do my life, to live my life, to live my life. You see, <laughs> do you know how we know whenever we, ex we are expressing a lack of contentment? Well, Philippians 2.14 says, Do all things without murmuring and disputing. One of the true indicators that we are not content is that we're grumbling and complaining. <laughs> Does anybody show of hands? Who, who, anybody grumble and complain this week? If you had four hands, we'd put them all up. <laughs> We've grown grumbling and complaining. Why? Because we're not content. You see, contentment is not a container. Contentment is being involved in the battle, knowing that I am more than a conqueror. You know, I, I, I don't know how that works to, you know, that you would be out there, you know, you see these battles going on, you know, the gladiator movie, you know, fighting and you know, Russell Crowe doing his thing, you know. Or maybe you don't watch movies. But anyhow, <laughs> he's the gladiator and he's fighting. And, you know, there's this, in our life, how do we find ourselves in the middle of the arena fighting for our lives and still content? See, we're not in a container, we're in the arena. And we're going to live or die by whatever happens in front of us, and we're still content. Because I know that he, God will never leave me nor forsake me, that God knows exactly where I'm at, and he knows exactly what I'm going through, and he knows exactly where he wants to take me. And see, that's where we have the contentment, that God knows where I'm going. He knows the end of the road. He knows where I'm headed. And he knows what he needs to accomplish. So therefore, godliness with contentment is knowing that God will take me to the next step, 
the next place in my life. Do everything readily and cheerfully. (laughs) This is the message. He knew it had to be something different because do everything without murmuring and disputing. Do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering. No second guessing. Well, you know, if I'd gone left instead of right, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be in this mess. If that person had done what they were supposed to, I wouldn't be having this problem. (laughs) All right, so none of us are part of that. So go out into the world, into the world, uncorrupted. Uncorrupted. Who's he talking? He's talking to us. Go into the world uncorrupted. Do not allow the effects of sin to affect, infect your life. You know, in Sunday school, I learned something today. Never knew this before. <laughs> For me, there's a lot of stuff I never knew before. But the Ten Commandments that were given to, the, to Israel was given to them to separate them from their slavery. In slavery, there was no value of human life or of decisions or of relationships. It didn't matter. You were property of someone else, and if they wanted you dead, you were dead. But in the commandments, God says, thou shalt not murder. You cannot commit adultery. You don't take your, 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 you know, you don't do these things. In Egypt, there were no laws of God. It was the gods that they served, they could do anything they wanted. In fact, they wanted them to kill their children, and they, they did. But the laws came to give them value as a person and to separate them from the no laws of Egypt because God put the value on human life. God put the value in your life. And so it's in this place of value, in this place of working with God, walking with God, allowing the fruits of the Spirit and the blessings of God to be part of our life, that we are living and being, going in and coming out, that God is with us. He will guide us. And do this (laughs) without grumbling and complaining, that you would do it uncorrupted and a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. You are a breath of fresh air. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of a living God. (laughs) We provide people with a glimpse of good living and of a love. Carry the light-giving message into the night so all have a good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. I mean, this verse, if we could just like (laughs) frame it, put it in front of us, you know, and and quote it, remember it, work it, allow the Spirit of God to make it real to us, and that it is... The thing we have with God is that we cannot earn or make him happy. As in, well, I did a good job today, are you happy? <laughs> you know, I did something, I did this, I didn't sin, are you happy? 
Well, what God wants us to do is that in our doing and living, we find fulfillment because God's grace and mercy comes, even, it comes to a greater life, great, comes to life inside of us, and that it becomes this light to our path, a light to our path. Hmm. He is the light to our path. Carry the light-giving message into the, wor- into the night. <laughs> the light-giving message into the night. Hmm. When people came to Jesus, he was ready for them. He was ready for them. When the 5,000 came, plus women and children, he was ready for them. How can you be ready for that many people? <laughs> How much trouble are you going to have getting uh, sandwiches and soup or no soup? No soup. Oh, cut the soup. Oh. <laughs> we have soup it's okay but uh (laughs) but how are we going to get this ready for everybody next sunday well what if we had to get five thousand meals ready plus women and children you know them kids they never leave their kids at home you know (laughs) so how are we going to get but jesus is telling us he was ready he was ready for this and he said well he told the disciples this is where we find the problem or where we find ourselves jesus asked of us how are we going to take care of this? You ask yourself this every day, almost all the time in your work and your life and whatever. How am I going to take care of this? How is this going to work out? How am I going to get this done? Huh? Huh? How am I going to get this done? Is this ever going to get finished? Is this t- Jesus is telling us, feed the 5,000. How am I going to get this done? We got to search for food. We got to search for food. We got to look out here. We get the kid. We got, hey, Jesus, we got, I got the answer. We got a kid here with five flat pancakes and two sardines. I know that's not much for 5,000, but I thought thought that was pretty good of me to find it, right? (laughs) How many times do we do that in our everyday life? How am I ever going to feed these things? How am I ever going to get this done? How is this going to work? And how is that going to work? How? But God, you know what? I got five flat pancakes and two sardines here. <laughs> and Jesus said, good. Good. He wants us to find what he's already given us. He's already provided for us. We need to find it. We need to have enough faith to bring our insufficiencies to God and say, here's what I got. I got five loaves and two fishes, and there's 15,000 people here going to eat tonight. How's that going to happen? Jesus wants us to give to him the little that we have. That's it. That if I can believe for the little that I have to be sufficient, God is going to give us contentment. We're not going to become entangled in the web of our lives and the life of our world. Anybody know, uh, how many have seen a spider in a spider's web? Okay, all seen it, okay. Why doesn't a spider get stuck in his web? He's smart, that's it. 
He's smart enough not to get stuck in his own web because he spread it, right? Why doesn't a spider get stuck in the web? A fly goes by, an insect goes by, boom, they're caught, they're stuck. What's on the web? Not the internet web. What's on the web? <laughs> What's on the web? It's sticky, right? Okay, spiders' webs are sticky. Why doesn't the spider get stuck in his own web? not because he's smart. It's because the spider secretes an oil that coats the hairs and coats the legs that doesn't allow it to get stuck on the web. Ta-da! Smart spider, huh? How about we are anointed by the oil of God's presence that we are not stuck to the same thing that catches people who don't know God. The people who don't have God get stuck, but those who are Christians find a way to just move through it because of God's presence, because of the anointing of God upon our lives, we are different. We are different, and we are different because of who God is. You know what? Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So here we are having to come up with food for 5,000 plus women and children. We've got this, we've got this mentality that I'm, I am at the bottom of my well and I am swimming away in life. <laughs> and suddenly we find out that our world is bigger than this little pond, this little puddle of water. Suddenly we find that there are people getting stuck in the webs of life. And here God comes along and says, what do you have? I got five loaves and two fish. Okay, how is that? What is that among so many? God is, his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Often, I like to read this one. Often, we want to be able to see the future. We say, how will next year be for me? <laughs> How will this next coming month be for me? Where will I be in five or ten years? There are no answers to these questions. Mostly we have just enough light to see the next step. <laughs> we have just enough light to see the next step. We don't have a beacon. We have, well, we do have a beacon out in front of us which tells us this is eternity and we're going there and heaven is my home and no matter what happens in life, that's where I'm at. But that, we got to go down here to the path that we're walking on and it seems that it's a darkness of life. But guess what? The word of God is a light to our path. And so the word of God lights the path that I'm traveling. My focus is Christ. My life is, my life is sufficient in the grace of God and the provision of God to become what God has called me to be and therefore God wants me to pick up my five loaves and two fish and take care of the 15,000 people. God wants me to take my rod that he has used that I'm using to walk the path like Moses and put it out over the Red Sea to part the waters I am, I, you see that God has a way whenever we find ourselves 
at a dead end. It's not a dead end. It's just a place where we need to continue to focus on God, and he's either going to turn to the right, to the left, or open the door through the wall that we didn't see before. So God is capable of doing all these things. And so the light is there and enables us to follow our next step. Let's rejoice. Rejoice in the light that we have before us. The Bible says, Your word, verse Psalm 119, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It does not say your word is this blinding beacon (laughs) that comes to us and we can't see where we're going. But God's path is before us. God's path has anointed us. God's word has anointed us. And so the three things we need to do, stop looking around and start looking up. (laughs) Stop looking around and start looking up. God has a plan. He has a purpose. We need to focus on God. We find ourselves, as we look around, we compare ourselves with all the things that's going around, the entanglement of the web that catches the people that don't know God, and we see them all caught there and think we're going to be caught in the world. We're going to be caught off guard. God isn't caught off guard. His anointing is upon us, and we will not be caught in the web that destroys the ungodly. (laughs) We will not be caught in that because our God has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a path. And through through the scriptures, throughout the scriptures, we are challenged to remember that this world and everything in it is temporary. So we must look up to see. Second, Focus more on the do's than the don'ts. We are bombarded with advertisements and billboards and everything telling us what we don't have, but we are people who are to be grateful for what we do have. (laughs) We are to be grateful for what we do have. The don'ts, the focus is woulda, shoulda, coulda, (laughs) Don't don't get in the woulda, shoulda, coulda. You know, I would have, could have, should have done this, but it doesn't matter. That was yesterday, and yesterday's gone. So today is the path that I'm walking, and God is there with me, and he is helping me. And then content. I want to make sure that we understand that contentment is not sitting in a rocking chair. It is the power in us to conquer every obstacle that we encounter. Contentment knows that I am more than a conqueror. I can be content because I'm the biggest person on the block. What do you say to an 800-pound gorilla? Nothing. <laughs> what do you say to an 800-pound Nothing. You know? What does the devil say to a child of God? Nothing. But if you want to leave a message for the devil, where do you put it? On the sole of your foot because he is under your feet. And you see, the power of God is with us, and we are to conquer. We are more than a conqueror, so contentment is in my ability to overcome. My contentment is in the ability of God in me to overcome. So if I have 5,000 people who need fed, it's no problem. Just look for the five loaves and two fishes. Find what you got. Let God do the rest. 
and don't live in the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Without ever realizing it, we live so much of our time focusing on the past rather than the experiences in the present and planning what God wants us to do in the future. Stop looking back and keep looking up <laughs> because God is the one who is guiding us by his word. His word is a light lamp to our path. We have enough light to take a step. And if you can take a step, you can take a second one and a third one. And God will lead you in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, of change, of transition, I will fear no evil because God is with me. You see, he is with me. His rod and his staff, his guidance and his protection are with me to take the step through the valley of change. Amen? Godliness with contentment is great gain. Shall we stand? Contentment is not containment. <laughs> I am not contained by the events of life. I am content in knowing that I can take them all on in Christ. <laughs> in Christ. You see, godliness in Christ. God and I together. Jesus, why don't you handle this one for me? <laughs> why don't you handle my small stuff here? Jesus, let Jesus go. Jesus, handle this. Jesus, be my guide. Father, we are grateful. We are privileged. We are, of, Ian, of all individuals, we are most blessed. God, because you are watching over us, you are walking with us. God, you empower us. You give us strength. You bring wisdom to our minds and our hearts and understanding as to what can and cannot be. God, we pray that we would be people of thanksgiving, that, God, we would be praise-worthy of all that we possess. We give you praise for all the things that we possess. You are worthy of our praise. And in that contentment, knowing that we can do all things in Christ, we will take our next step, knowing that we in you, are more than a conqueror. You are more than sufficient. I am well able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. You, Lord, are above, all, above all able to do this. We thank you. We give our praise to you knowing that you are the great sufficient one, sufficient for all our needs. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen.